Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 64. On this episode, Gene and Artis and I are going to sit down and discuss our basically our reconditioning process and how that works and, and, and what that looks like and, and how that helps us sell equipment. So, Gene, welcome to the show. Thanks. All right. So, kind of give a brief synopsis of how our process works. We, we do, uh, we, our sales guys enter our information into uh, one centralized location that comes to either me or Gene, either one of us, depending on who's on that day, and we go through the evaluation process of the piece of equipment, make sure the right information is in the right spot, double check serial numbers, those kind of things. And then once it gets booked in, what we do then is we start a reconditioning process when it hits the lot. And kind of a, a brief rundown of what that is, we set the reconditioning process, or the reconditioning budget, and during the evaluation process. And then what we try to do with that is maintain as close to that as we can without going over it and, and basically fixing what we have to fix. So, you know, our our uh, shops have the ability to, when the first hits the lot, to change the engine oil, wash it, and also uh, inspect it. And once it gets inspected, that inspection is uploaded into our system. And then I get an email about uh, approving what those what those work those uh, processes look like. So, kind of a, at a at a bare minimum, we break things down into an A or a B or a C, and those A, Bs, and Cs. You know, A's being need attention right now. Bs are there's still some life left in it, and Cs are a cosmetic thing. You know, mirrors broke, glasses broke, that kind of stuff, and we make decisions based on that. So for the most part, all the A's get fixed that we can afford, and uh, the Bs come second, and the Cs obviously are are third. So. Gina, kind of, when you start looking out there and you look at our inventory, what do you see, how do you think that helps us sell equipment? So basically it makes that we have like a consistent, a consistent um, policy across the board. So when a sales guy goes to sell that piece of equipment, he can already expect that, you know, he can sell that piece of equipment and it'll go to the field. He's not going to have to worry about what condition or, or what needs to be done before you can send that to the field himself. So that's kind of why we've put this process in place. So that way then any of our sales guys, they can sell it and know that that machine will run in the field or that tractor will run in the field, um, you know, that day. Um, and a lot of times too, like as far as, you know, sometimes when we're trading in a piece of equipment, um, there are some things that cost a lot of money mm -hmm. to fix and, re and reposition, <clears throat> and nobody probably knows that better than you and I, people that are looking at every single day. You know, our sales guys, they're pretty good at talking to their service department and their parts department, um, but a lot of times there's things that you and I know or noticed or have noticed that, you know, a combine with 5,000, or not 5,000 hours on it, but a combine with, um, you know, 1,000 hours on it, you and I already kind of have that pinpointed exactly what's going to be need right. reconditioned at that point with normal wear. Right. So, and that, that's the biggest thing, too, is, is when you understand what that reconditioning process is and, and sticking to it. Because there's nothing that can, that can be more catastrophic to the piece of machinery than over-reconditioning it. You know, I can give you example after example of machinery that we have either written down or we have, you know, taken to auction or something like that that's gotten aged. That the reason that it got to the point where it's at is we had something, something catastrophic happen that we didn't account for during the evaluation process. Mm -hmm. Like to your point with the combine, a thousand hours on it. You know, to me, 
based on those those machineries that, that out there, you know, there's there's a certain amount of reconditioning costs that you have to account for when you start looking at that. So my rule of thumb has always been a hundred dollars per every thousand separator hours, mm -hmm. right? So in that particular case, I'm looking at I'm going to account for about ten thousand bucks, and that ten thousand bucks is going to take care of the majority of the major things. Now, when I say that, I want the I want the inspection to be very thorough. I want it to be very, you know, very accurate. We have two different kinds of inspections, you know, we have, and one is what I call our sales inspection, which basically hits the highlights of the machine. It's not the nuts and bolts, you know, of, of the overall process, but it's the it's more of a you know we're going to hit the highlights of the components and what those components are <clears throat> we'll then go through and make sure that we have everything connected the way it should be what i like about that is when the customer sits down and we say all right mr customer we have ten thousand dollars that we're going to spend on this machine how would you like to spend that here's the inspection so we're looking at the a's and all the a's are going to be whatever seventy five hundred bucks or eight thousand dollars or ten grand or twelve grand or whatever that might be it really helps the sales guy go through that process of, you know, fitting that machine to the customer's needs. So, when you talk to our sales guys, what kind of information are they give to you about about those kind of topics? Yeah, so um, it's our sales guys. They definitely they definitely like to have that power um, to be able to make that decision because they know their customer best and they know. You know they know how many hours they're going to be putting on it in that next year so if it's something that 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 sales guy he knows hey farmer joe is only going to put 200 hours on it this wheat season and you know it's going to run this season for him and then he can bring it back in and we can decide in a winter service inspection program um then we can decide to use to repair some of the c's or the b's that you know weren't weren't necessarily crucial to having that done right off the gate right um yeah. and customers appreciate that too you know they appreciate the honesty and they appreciate the the salesman really understanding and knowing that piece of machinery too yeah. it's that transparency too that guys see that and they, they kind of step back for a minute and they say you know, you know we're, we're telling you laying it out as it is you know we're going to tell you that this might be a whatever the x number of dollars it is to to keep that get that machine you know, fixed the entire work order that they've inspected out but of that X number of dollars, this percentage over here, this, this dollar amount over here is what our trained professional technicians are saying that it really needs to get to guarantee that it won't break down through the, mm -hmm. through the season. Now, you can't really guarantee that it's not going to break down because new machines break down, but mm -hmm. it's a, uh, it's that sense that, that sense that the customer and the sales guy both had a, uh, a play, you know, in, mm -hmm. in what, and how that machine was going to walk out, walk off our lot. Yep. Yep. So <clears throat> now, when you look at the various pieces of equipment that are out there, what what is? Hang on, say this. This is already been recorded. All right. Okay. So okay, covered the process. What else? What else can we talk about? Okay, I feel like we've exhausted this already. Um. Do you want to talk about maybe reconditioning on different pieces of equipment, like corn heads, and like the cost associated with it? Yeah. Maybe even like somebody trade. Maybe. Talk about that. Okay. 
time. So when you start looking at various pieces of equipment, there are some pieces that I think guys may overlook when you start looking at what it takes to actually recondition them. And you know, earlier today we were talking about coin heads. Mm -hmm. That's a machine that if you're not careful about what you're looking at, it could, it could really sink you in a hurry because it is expensive to recondition a coin head. It is. Um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely adds up really quickly. And not just the parts, but the labor involved too. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot. I, I consider air seeders in that factor too. Um, you know, if it needs new seed discs and boots, you know, that's pretty significant cost. Right. Um, you know, and, and the dealer knows that too, but it's good for the customer to know that so they can weigh, weigh, their, weigh their thought process as to, um, as to what is going to be best for, to continue in their operation. Is it going to be better for them to spend the money and fully recondition their machine and run it a few more years? Or is, are you better off trading it for something different that is in usable condition? Um, you know, and letting the dealer take that cost of reconditioning that unit. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it really comes down to what's what's best for the customer when they start looking at reconditioning costs. Now, I talk to the guys in the shop, and, and there's probably some shop guys who are going to listen to this and say that you're, you're nuts if you think we're going to do that. But if you really start thinking about what's best for the customer, you know, is, is sinking $30,000 in a $100,000 combine the right thing to do? Is spending fifteen or sixteen thousand dollars on a twenty-five thousand dollar corn head or thirty thousand dollar corn head? Mm -hmm. Is that the right thing to do? And the answer is no, because the customer cannot recoup those costs. You you have I mean you might have increased the value of it to some extent, but you you're not going to get the full extent of what you put into it, right? <clears throat> you made it usable again. Mm -hmm. So you took something that couldn't go with the deck plates, for example, on a on a corn head. Mm -hmm. If your deck plates aren't working and you don't have good deck plates, you can't use the head, mm -hmm. right? So if you place a deck plate, de deck plates, you haven't increased the value of the machine by that much. You've, you've made it usable. <coughs> so that's one thing that, that I think a lot of customers need to have that conversation with their, um, with their sales guy more than anything about, okay, I'm, I'm looking at spending a, a pretty good chunk of change here. You all right? I think so. <laughs> um, you're getting ready to spend a, a pretty good chunk of change on, on uh, you know, you spend $30,000 mm -hmm. on a combine. You know, that's that's a pretty good down payment when you start looking at it's 10% down on a $300,000 combine. You know, I'm not saying that you that you do that, but, you know, you start looking at, at what how you're going to better your situation and what you're going to do. And is that necessarily better your situation? It really depends on your situation as a farmer. Yep. Are you looking to maybe you're about to retire so you're just going to fix this one and that's going to be it or maybe you are going to um, you know you're looking at how your cash flow is going to work out so you've got a thirty thousand dollar you know maybe a twenty thirty thousand dollar shop bill and and maybe you know you still have a twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollar payment to pay how's that affect your your cash flow it's a lot of questions that i think maybe were overlooked mm -hmm. in in a kind of a in the economy that we're in right now yeah, I would totally agree. I don't know how many conversations I've had with a sales guy where they're looking at trading a customer out of a piece of equipment, mm -hmm. and they're like, well, this guy just spent, you know, X amount of dollars in the shop last winter, and, you know, it's really only actually worth this, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so I think maybe, you know, and some guys, you know, it's probably in their best interest not to trade that piece off and to continue running it. Right. 
Um, you know, but I think too, like to your point, you know, it's it's good to have that conversation with the customer before they do sink themselves into that unit and they're stuck. Right. Um, but on the opposite side of that, I think right now, and we've kind of talked about this before with planners, like right now the trend is with planners, there's a lot of guys that are retrofitting and, right. and upgrading a lot of parts and putting a lot of parts and labor into their planner um, to make an older planner run like a new one. Right. Um, so it really depends on that piece of equipment as to what the right or wrong answer is to do. Yeah. So the planner thing, I, I do think there's probably some level of, you know, the stuff that you put on there, whether it's a John Deere retro kit or a precision kit or whatever, whatever that you're putting on there, there is a lot of, of uh, value that gets added to that. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if you find the guy who wants that, you know, some of these new planners now, they're $250,000, $300,000 planners. I mean, mm -hmm. brand new. If you can do that same thing with, a, with an overused one and turn it into a, turn this $40,000 planner and you might spend that again to make it be the full thing. You have eighty to a hundred thousand dollars in, in to a planner that's gonna do the same thing mm -hmm. for the most part. Do the exact same thing that the newer planner is, you know. So that that is one of those things where again you gotta find a customer that wants it that wants that on the second uh, the secondary marketplace, but more than likely the guy that does that to that planner is planning on using that planner for a few years. Yep. It's not gonna be a one and done type deal. Exactly. You know, so um what are some other machinery out there that you think that, that maybe get overlooked a lot when you start looking at maybe some real reconditioning holes you can fall in? Um, I really think the hay equipment is definitely yeah. one that you, you can yeah. go down a hole in. Um, you know, I've I've looked at pictures of mocos or, mm -hmm. you know, swathers and you look at them in a picture that you're sent, you know, from your sales guy, and you're like, oh, that, you know, doesn't look too bad, and yeah, I think this will be okay, and we'll kind of, you know, plan for this, and then it gets on the lot, and you're like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. Right. Um, so it's really easy to get caught up in, you know, the wrong value, I guess, and that's where I lean on my sales guys a lot, and mm -hmm. talk to them about it, and say, you know, really, truly, what did you see when you looked at, you know, and at the turtles and the and the knives and all that kind of stuff um, because it does make a big deal and the same thing with a pickup on a baler yeah. um, you know there's a lot of things that you can do to make it run and then there's times when the whole thing the whole pickup needs to be rebuilt right. and that can be a pretty significant cost when you're talking about a $20,000 baler right you start looking at spending five grand on a pickup mm -hmm. you know to completely rebuild one there again is, is that the right move for that customer at that time? Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a paid-for baler and he doesn't want to mess with anything else, he just wants to spend his five grand and run it one more season. You know, I, w I would say that's probably not. I'm not going to sit and tell someone what they need, they can or can't do. But that's a conversation that you really need to start having mm -hmm. with with your sales guy, and your sales guy needs to be having with you. Beginning, I mean, if you're saying like, "Well, I'm going to take my, I'm going to take my head or my my baler in." get it rebuilt or whatever you know we've got 25,000 bells on us and we're going to rebuild the, the pickup on it now it's probably time to, to trade it mm -hmm. you know because then you start looking at some other significant things that you could have come into place and, and do all that stuff so there's a lot of uh, I think a lot of planning that needs to take place when you start looking at that yeah I would agree 100 yeah. percent or two having that um, conversation like on a header or on a um, a swather, a moco, or something like that. Um, 
<laughs> I recently ran across a customer who um, nobody had ever told them that you could flip those knives around and run uh, run the other side. Yep. So they were coming in and running running through knives, and then finally somebody asked them about it, you know, and making sure that your customers fully understand the use that they can get out mm -hmm. of all their parts too. I think is a big deal. Yeah. Um, but it just goes back to encompassing what is best for your customer. Because yep. there are a lot of wear parts that you can you can flip or mm -hmm. turn upside down or whatever it is that you that you need to do and, and extend that life twice as long. A lot of combine parts are that way. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of head part, a lot of head parts are that way. A lot of, you know, baler parts, those kind of things. Yep. Um, not baler parts, swather parts. But, and there's a lot of things there that that you can reuse mm -hmm. and just keep it going. So, I think it's just important that that everybody just think about that reconditioning thing, what it is. Especially, like, you know, four drive is another good example of that. Mm -hmm. So you have, you have a pivot point, and then you've got two sets of final drives. And if you're not careful, depending on where it's at hour-wise, you could have some significant costs mm -hmm. in just servicing the machine. Not necessarily fixing anything, but just, just the overall service of the unit. Yeah. And that's that's something I think is over is, is really probably overlooked when you do that, you know, what it costs to service a combine now. What's it cost to service a full drive? Mm -hmm. You know, changing you know, I'm talking like, you know, a thousand hours, do a thousand hour service or a or a 1,250-hour service, 1,500-hour service, service on something, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. Just some fluids alone. I mean, these things hold gallons yep. of oil and gallons of hydraulic fluids and stuff. So it takes a lot to, to service that stuff up. So I would just say that when you're thinking about your equipment and your sales process, make sure that, you, that you're really on top of what you're reconditioning. Yeah, it can definitely, it's definitely one of those things that if nobody's managing it, managing it, mm -hmm. then it can really run away and get out of hand in a hurry. Yeah, because there again, it kind of, there's that, there's that emotional effect too. I think a lot of, you know, you talk to a lot of sales guys and, and I've even heard them say that. It's like, I don't remember it looking like this when it was on the farm. And that's just the whole rose-colored glass effect, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It looks yeah. pretty when you, looks pretty when you're going through the process and then you get it home and she's not as pretty as you thought. Yeah. And that's that's uh that's having that as much as you can. I know it, it's a difficult process, but to, to be as unbiased in, in your approach as you can be. Mm -hmm. so, well, what else are you seeing out in the marketplace right now? Anything standing out to you that that maybe as some trends are starting to develop? You know, it seems like things are picking up a little bit. It seems like there's kind of an uptrend. Um, we've had a lot of sales happen here in the last couple of weeks. Um, internally at our stores and in the wholesale market right. um you know and there there's a lot of uncertainty with trade and everything in the ag market but i think there's a lot of farmers that are maybe seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and um, making plans for their future and how they're going to move forward in the next couple of years so um i think there's a lot of expansion going on too right so yeah, there's yeah. a there's a lot of guys that are you know upgrading or figuring out how they're gonna continue with what they're doing so yeah kind of back on that same topic it's like we've seen a lot of stuff come through and a lot of guys that are upgrading their equipment and like i've said before i don't really think it's driven by we've got all this money we need to spend it some guys have positioned themselves where they have made a little money and and they're going to start Kind of look around and see what's out there but again i think a lot of this is back to that point of i've got this large recon bill where i've been running this machine for x number of years and it's way outside my comfort zone 
is how I'm going to, how I want to move forward with this machine. You know, mm-hmm. I used an example before of a of a friend of mine that was in this as the, another remarketing manager. And he had a uh, customer that bought everything brand new in 2013, and has done nothing at all, needs service and those kind of things. But he's not traded any of that equipment in, so it's five years old. And this was a, a yearly roll guy, every two years type of guy. So now he's got five, almost six seasons on, on what he's doing. And he's thinking about, I don't feel comfortable having this many hours on my stuff, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip it out of it. Um, that's, in my opinion, is why the, the late and low hour stuff, especially with these auctions, you know, you, you watch these auctions all the time, like we, like all of us do, and these retirement sales are just crazy, you know? And I think a lot of it is because they can, they can kind of picture what the, the guy that owned it beforehand, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They get a good feel by seeing it sitting on his farm and what his farm looks like. And, you know, if his farm looked like a tornado went through it, they probably would have some reservations on it. But when it's, you know, very precisely manicured rocks on his driveway going in and there's no dirt on the, on the, on the floor in the shop and those kind of stuff, that gives someone the impression that, hey, this machine is really taken care of, it's really good. And most of that stuff, they're, they're the neighbors right around there that are mm-hmm. that are really <clears throat> that are really pushing that thing forward. And I think that there's a probably a, a large amount of of pride too that comes from that. That you know, I'm a local guy and I bought this piece of equipment. Now, all that being said, some of the prices that are coming through, I'm, I'm, I have to question why they spent that much money on it. But but it's what they wanted, you know. And a lot of these guys too, like. Some of these 70 series combines I watch sell, mm-hmm. you know, why would you spend $180,000 on a 70 series combine? Now, maybe the guy didn't want the def, or didn't want this, that, or the other thing, or whatever it was, and I just, I can't hardly wrap my head around, because that wasn't that far from what it would have cost me, I mean, it would yeah. be another 20, 30,000 bucks at that time frame, probably made it pretty close to what a new one was, right mm-hmm. around there, so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's some crazy stuff going on right now in the market, and none of it seems to all completely make sense or have a definite rhyme or reason. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, what else? What else y'all talking about? All right, Gina, well, I think we've covered it for this one. Um, I think we've covered it. I mean, we, I can't, anything you think mm-hmm. of? I'm out of ideas. I'm, I'm at a loss here. All right. All right, Gina, well, I think we've covered it for this one here. So if guys and gals want to find you out on Instagram and continue this great conversation of reconditioning, where would they, uh, where would they find you at? Yep, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, uh, Regina Nardis. You should be able to find me pretty easily. All right, and then you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also check out the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, and you can also go to um, Moving Iron LLC to get past and present episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast. Check out the Moving Iron blog, and you can also get information about the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas. October 2nd through the 4th. 
If you want to find the podcast, you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour. Regina Nargis. Let's go move some iron. Out.